Brad Restituto. Comes up to the pocket. Fires the right side. Caught by Diggs. Stay up. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Welcome to the rest stop. It's Thursday, March 25th, 2021. We are live. Myself, Brad Restituto, Spencer the Wiz, and we come to you every Tuesday and Thursday, 9 o'clock Pacific time. You can watch us live on twitch.tv slash Chris Landry Football or my Twitter at Brad the Believer or my Facebook page. Also, make sure to subscribe to the YouTube channel, Brad the Believer. We post a podcast there each and every time the day after we shoot the live show and check out the audio version of the podcast. Landry Football Conference call on any of the podcast platforms. You can find the rest stop underneath there. We've got a packed show for you tonight. NBA trade deadline came to an end this afternoon. And we're going to hit all of the trades in the NBA. Uh, which ones surprised us? Which ones have playoff indications? So we'll hit those later in the show. Sweet 16 action in college basketball back. Uh, finally, after a year hiatus, we have the tournament in full effect. 16 teams left for those double-digit seeds, and we'll see which one of those double-digit seeds possibly has a chance to pull an upset and get to the Elite Eight and possibly further. A little bit of NFL free agency as well. As I bring in uh, the the kind of co-host sidekick to the show, Spencer Ostrowski. Follow him on Twitter, at SpencerTheWiz, and also check out his YouTube channel, Blue Milk Boys Gaming Spence. I want to start off with a story tonight uh, that kind of came out of Miami, Florida. A little bit of spring break action across the country. And some people in the state of Florida, Miami in particular, seem to have had a little bit too much fun as Miami has been told they're in a state of emergency for the time being. I don't know if this has been lifted yet, uh, but it got a little crazy over Miami. Spence, show some of the video here. Police firing pepper balls into the crowds on South Beach after multiple attempts for them to leave. City leaders say these restrictions are necessary now to stop crime and violence that some spring breakers have brought to the entertainment district. Uh, Spence, that's just a little bit of what's possibly going on over there. Uh, when you saw this story, this isn't really surprising to me because I've talked to a lot of people. They've got COVID fatigue, Spence. They're ready to get rid of the mask, open up 100%. And it does not surprise me that people on spring break were out just like they were the year before saying before this even blew up, we don't really care. We're young. It's not going to affect us. I feel like the same kind of emotion is taking place now that we've had a year of COVID-19. A lot of people think it's in the rearview mirror and they're ready to party. And that's what's happened in Miami, but not so fast as there was some intervention by the government and uh, the police and putting the city of Miami in a state of emergency Spence, I mean, this is tough. I know a lot of us have COVID fatigue, but I don't think we should be going crazy yet, jumping on cars, ripping our masks off, uh, breathing on other people at close distance. I'm not quite ready for all of that, even though, like a lot of people, I'd like to see uh, COVID in the rearview mirror. But this may have just taken it a little bit too far. 
yeah, I mean, I think there's always going to be some sort of balance between going crazy and having a good time. You know, not everybody's just going to sit around and follow the rules forever. And you're right, there is some COVID fatigue. I mean, the, it started when the lockdown started, where people didn't think that it should have happened in the first place. Uh, I don't know. I mean, I probably fit somewhere in between. Now, there were people like, jumping on police cars and twerking on them. <laughs> I, I think it's a lot of it was due to kind of the age of social media that we live in where you want to get the most followers, you want to get the most views. So there's a little bit of incentive to do something more crazy than the person next to you, because that's what people are drawn to. And I don't know. I mean, there's also a bit of the the reality that there's like not a lot of law and order in the United States right now where people kind of feel like they can do whatever they want. And there aren't actual repercussions when people do do crazy stuff that there are GoFundMe set up immediately with hundreds of thousands of dollars in flux to get people out of jail. It's all it's kind of a strange situation. And you hate to see it get down to police officers and whatever it may be shooting pepper balls into crowds. But (laughs) it's it's checks and balances right we shouldn't bow down to authority all the time but nor should we act like lunatics running around the street like there are no laws i think you're going to see a lot of this like the more restrictions that are uplifted i don't think spring break kind of was a way to maybe showcase that in a more extrinsic way where it's a little more extreme where you're kind of expected to act a little wacky we're not very far removed from the days of uh, i can't even remember the name of them now but where it was kind of you pay for them i saw it like on comedy central a long time ago spring breaker has gone wild or something like that uh where that was yeah exactly we used to have a lot of that and it was very well contained because there wasn't facebook and twitter and tiktok where we got the full story what was going on i'm sure there were plenty of stories of spring breakers getting pepper balled all the time but now we just know more about it because we have to know everything that's going on at all times and we also have to overreact and declare states of emergencies when there isn't actually any yeah i will say good news it seems like across the country the covid numbers are going down at a pretty significant rate which is great news so many people are getting the vaccines which is also very good news so it seems like we're totally moving in the direction of putting this at least in the short term, in the rearview mirror and getting back uh, to some sort uh, of life where there's more activity, there's more jobs. Um, of course, I, I don't have too high expectations on when we will release the mask mandate and some of these other obligations. But as long as the numbers keep going down, it seems like we're moving in a positive direction, which is, which is good. But you make a good point, Spence. Let kids be kids. I mean, at this point, I know there's so many people with the COVID fatigue. I'm not going to go too crazy and, and, and point my finger at, at people that just want to get back to life as what they knew before COVID as normal. Um, do I encourage people to be more responsible when they're in big groups? Yes, of course. I, I, I don't particularly feel comfortable with people gathering in large quantities, just breathing and touching and drinking after each other left and right. Hopefully we get back to a time where, where it's a norm where we won't have to feel that fear. Uh, and, and it's all based on the people and how they, they want to live their lives. Uh, but it is, like I said, it is a positive thing that the numbers are going down and we're moving in a direction of trying to put this the best way we can in this country in the rearview mirror. Now, of course, I keep hearing countless things about uh, new strands and, and new variants. So, Again, I, I don't think anybody, regardless if you're an expert or not, knows enough 
about this as a whole with the being long haulers and people with symptoms greatly after people that uh, don't have a lot of negative effects to people that have to spend weeks in the hospital. There's not enough information out there. Some people that don't have underlying conditions can't kick this at all, Spence. So there's just too many questions still up in the air with this COVID stuff that I don't know that we'll have answers to completely for quite some time. That's what's the scary thing that's still going to be out there. Um, so it's one of those things you, you want to be careful and take it a day at a time, but there's going to be people that do not care and that will do anything uh, just to party again. And that's what some of these guys in Miami seem to have done. Spence, before we talk NBA trade deadline, I want to get to one more video. And uh, this has to do with former NBA player Brian Scalabrini. If you're not a diehard NBA fan, you might not know the name Brian Scalabrini, but he was an NBA champion with the Boston Celtics. Didn't get any playing time during that championship run, but had um, over a 10-year career in the NBA, played professionally overseas. And uh, this is cool, Spence, because you don't see many pro former professional players or current professional players take challenges of the average Joe when you're talking about one-on-one -on -one or any type of other competitions. It rarely happens. They kind of just blow it off. That wasn't the case here as Brian Scalabrini, former professional basketball player, was called out in a public setting. And Spence, let's show some of that footage. I get in the video. I get in the video. Press right now. What's the game to? Just whatever. You go just dribble around till I get my ass tired. What do you guys play? What do you guys play? Hey. Oh. Hey. Spence, 11 to nothing. Brian Scalabrini gets the win unblemished. Tell me your initial thoughts, Spence, after seeing this video and your overall thoughts on Scalabrini and the challengers. And how do you think uh, a solid amateur that was a little bit younger, besides the one we just saw in that video, would fare against former NBA player, the White Mamba, Brian Scalabrini? Yeah, what I'm actually hoping this does is uh, bring back one of the, my favorite shows as a kid where I think I was a teenager, Pros versus Joes. I remember the Love Bo it. Jackson episode. Yeah, that was a great, great show. I remember Bo Jackson had done a home run derby and he was crushing them, killing everybody who he was going against. But I think uh, we do take for granted uh, the idea that even the lowest players on the bench in the NBA would kill all of us, bar none. These guys have worked their entire lives to get up to this point. I think as we sit on our couches and say, ah, this guy sucks, or this guy, I could beat this guy one-on-one, -on -one, when in reality, if you ever actually placed against them, you'd have no chance. Most of the time, they have size and weight advantage. Again, they've been preparing their bodies since high school, and a lot of them, when they get out of professional ball, still keep up their, maintain their physical to a certain extent, and some, we don't. Some. We, we, there's we, a few we have, guys that are in awful right. shape after, but <laughs> <laughs> but I'll give I'll give you that. Yeah, there's a good drill. Continue, continue. Yeah, and we also most of us have nine to five jobs, meaning that 
me and you can't dedicate our lives to physical fitness when they, a lot of them, even after they retire, have the money to live past that. They don't have to get nine to fives. And I would even say like most guys who are in the league for two years probably accumulate well over a million dollars and can either ride that through investments or appearances, whatever the case may be with their agent. I love this kind of video. I think I love the game of basketball too. And I think this is what it's all about as well. Just kind of challenging somebody off of a, even if it wasn't Brian Scalabrini, I I like the physical nature of the game and I think they're having a lot of fun doing it. And you know, eventually when you have a game like that, you're going to get a little upset. You could tell the guy Zaw, I don't know if that was his real name, but that's what they said in the TikTok. He got a little upset about it. And I love that too. Spence, let's talk from a technical side for a second. I love the power and strength I saw from Scalabrini. It seemed like when he dribbled and put his head down, it was just like uncomparable. The guys that were defending him just were not able to stick with him strength-wise. That was what stuck out to me the most. And then Scalabrini, they had to respect the shot, the, the jump shot. So he was able to get him off balance with the head fake a little bit and then get to the hole. And he was just – he. The, the guy put up the good defense a couple times, but Scalabrini was just too big and too strong. I, I really enjoyed it. Um, Spence, what did you see from a technical side from Scalabrini in this matchup here? Playing for the guy's shoes. 11 nothing. <laughs> I hope he didn't actually take his shoes. I would never want someone's shoes after playing basketball. I think that's kind of disgusting. Uh, but it was nice. I mean, he had some really great post moves, the fake in the back from fourth. He's only one year removed from playing in the big three league. I don't know if he played significant minutes, but I know he was on a roster. I think he may have been the year before that as well. The guy's still pretty fresh, and we both know that he works in Sirius XM NBA radio. He immerses himself in the game, and it's nice because he, he uh, didn't have a great playing career, but uh, he also was like an NBA legend when he came in you know, the white Mamba, everyone was chanting for it. No matter what team he was on, he was always a great spark. He's always very entertaining. And you can even tell amongst those guys he was playing on that TikTok that they had a fun time playing against him. And he also stepped out from beyond the arc. I don't think it was NBA League 3, but still, the fact that he still has a little bit of range left and maybe probably even more than what he played in the game is is cool. Yeah, and Scalabrini was a hell of a college player at USC. Uh, And then, like I said, Almost 10 plus years in the NBA, played overseas, played in the big three. Uh, Say what you want about Scalabrini. He's an NBA champion. And beware if any amateurs want to uh, try and test someone like Brian Scalabrini. They better better be prepared because it it wasn't even close. I would love to have the opportunity myself, Spence, uh, to see how it would fare against somebody like Brian Scalabrini. I certainly bring a lot more weight than the guy played in the picture. Uh, I've played against some some really big, strong guys before. Probably not somebody as big and strong as Scalabrini, but I would love I love the competition. I would love to see if I could uh, make somewhat of a game of it. Uh, definitely would hope not to get shut out like these guys did. So I, I hope that happens. We play quite a bit at the Tark Gym over here in Las Vegas, and there's always in and out uh, some former pro hoopers or current pro hoopers. And I know here in the next – few days are having a celebrity basketball game there so you never know who you might run into but will they take the challenge will they be willing to play somebody that's a no name or nobody that's another story but uh we can always hope and uh those guys had an opportunity they can say that they played uh one-on-one against a former nba player so uh, i think all of us would love the competition that are real hoopers and love the game and love to compete i still try to play uh three or four days a week so 
Um, I definitely could use to drop about 30 pounds, which is the goal, but I, I still get out there and run. I don't really feel that tired uh, in my wind. So uh, although I'm not playing against uh, the greatest competition that's testing my endurance to its T. So anyway, I also enjoyed the video, Spence. I thought it was great. And I hope we hope we see more of those as we continue to move on. But Spence, let's hit the big stories of the day. And we're talking NBA free agency. I'd love to hit most of the transactions if we can. Spence, start it off. Uh, talk, let's talk about the Orlando Magic. You have it listed here. They're probably the biggest active movers and NBA uh, trade deadline action, all-star Nick Vujicic traded to the Chicago Bulls. Evan Fournier, starting guard, traded to the Celtics. Aaron Gordon, uh, former dunk champion, he moves to the Denver Nuggets. Orlando is finally cleaning house. Spence, you liked what the Magic did. I tend to agree with you. Give your thoughts a little bit uh, on the Orlando Magic and the moves they made today at the NBA trade deadline. Yeah, so I guess it's kind of better maybe just to go one by one here. Uh, and Nikola Vucevic, once he goes to the Chicago Bulls, uh, and Alfred Gumino also goes to the Bulls. But uh, on the back end, they get Otto Porter, Wendell Carter Jr., and two first-round picks. Uh, one of the first-round picks I know is next year. And as of right now, the Chicago Bulls are not in the playoffs. I think they're two-and-a-half games or one-and-a-half games outside of the A-seed who is being held uh, by the Boston Celtics at the moment. The Knicks won tonight. Not that, you know, just today's games will be the final playoff seeding, but still. Uh, but, you know, two first-round picks for a guy who's going to be 30 in a couple years. He's I think he turns 29 this season, or 28. Or I think he's 28 now. And Otto Porter is only, I think, 27, 28 years old. He's only two seasons removed from, like, 17 points per game. Uh, those are two guys who, you know, at the time uh, – both of them are expiring deals and it's just whatever they get, they will be happy with. And, you know, you can juxtapose this to the Houston Rockets who got Victor Oladipo in this big trade for James Harden and looked to flip him and they got nothing. They got like Kelly Olynyk and Avery Bradley in a swap pick. But instead you look at Orlando who, when they traded Aaron Gordon, they also got RJ Hampton back. And when you have RJ Hampton, Gary Harris, and uh, Wendell Carter, that's a core that you may not necessarily build around, but that can be the foundation of you maybe getting like a really big piece in this year's draft with two first round picks. And then you can move forward. They definitely have a plan going for like when they brought all these guys back, I was like, this is embarrassing. Why would they ever do this? And I, it's really because they wanted to hold on to these assets that they have. And clearly they did not fall apart at all. I'm going to be watching very closely what Orlando does moving forward. I'm an honorary fan. I'm always going to be a diehard Memphis Grizzlies fan. I would never leave them no matter what. But I say the on the East, Orlando is my favorite team. I will be watching them very closely to see what they have going forward. I know you probably feel pretty strongly about Orlando as well, being that you uh, kind of lived there. But uh, how do you feel about these uh, moves they made? No, I tend to agree with you, Spence. I, I, I think it was time for them to go ahead and blow up what they had. It just wasn't getting them past the seventh or eighth seed and not past the first round. Uh, I don't know where they go from here. You you would hope that some of these picks turn into something big, but th we're going to have to do some scouting, Spence, and you're a little ahead of this than I am about some of the upcoming players in the next couple drafts. I don't know that I feel totally great about this upcoming year. Uh, I'm going to have to do some more research, but I don't think you have a LaMelo ball or um, – you know, there's a couple other guys that uh, may be pretty solid in the top of this year's draft. I certainly 
I'm not impressed from what I've seen in, in brief spurts from Cade Cunningham. I don't think he's going to be somebody that comes in and, and changes a franchise, but I could be wrong. I haven't seen a whole lot on him. So there's some other guys we're going to have to really look into. But look, I mean, as far as talent goes, these guys have been committed to the game and in, in preparation in youth sports more than probably their predecessors by the way that it, the landscape lays up for basketball players to be completely trained and dialed into their, their craft. Um, now the mindset that it takes to be an elite player, it, it's t- to me, it's a little tougher for this generation of guys to have that type of mindset. I mean, look, I, I, I'm not saying Carl Anthony Towns does not have the mindset, but they have won nothing with him as the centerpiece in Minnesota. And to me, it's head scratching because I think he's one of the most talented big men in the entire league. Uh, It's tough to win in the NBA, Spence. Uh, We see guys that are some of the most talented scorers you can ever see. They've never played in the finals. James Harden, Damian Lillard. Uh, So what does it take to put uh, 10, 11 players together on one team uh, to make it work. So you're going to build around Jonathan Isaacs and Markel Fultz to me. And, and you got Wendell Carter. Those guys are, are, are role players. In my opinion, I, I don't think you want to build around any of those guys. That's just my opinion. I think Jonathan Isaacs has a lot of talent and, and he was certainly rising before the injury. Uh, but how does he come back from this injury? I mean, I'm sorry. I, I, correct me if I'm wrong, but are, are you building your franchise around any of those three guys? Those guys are role players. Yeah. Compared- I- Go ahead. Well, I understand what you're saying. Like, I agree with you. I don't think any of those guys as well will lead you to a finals, but you can't build a championship team in one season. Like if you know you're committing to a rebuild, it's going to take some time. And I think as long as you make smart moves at like in that moment, if you look at each deal individually now on face value as well, I didn't, I didn't mention this exactly, but Evan Fournier went to the Celtics for two second round picks. And you may say, this kid is what, 28 years old, having a career year, 19 points per game, a career high, and a career high, I think, in like free throw percentage and many other categories. Uh, but he was on expiring, so that he was never going to resign. So they were kind of forced to do that. Other than that, I think if you look at what they got back for these players, I mean, Aaron Gordon was worse in each of the last two seasons. He was coming from his best year. So obviously it wasn't working there. Vucevic is just going to age so much that he's not going to fit your timeline. I think if you can build upon some really nice young guys and then maybe be free agency. I think Orlando is always going to be a decent spot to get somebody to come. As long as you can show you're competent, I think that's the key to a rebuild. And Because we saw that for Brooklyn. They were the worst team in the NBA for like a decade after their whole Paul Pierce debacle and situation. But they got it together. They built through the draft. They had some guys who you would never build around, but who were talented. And what happened as a result? Now they have one of the they have the biggest super team in NBA history on their side. So if you're an Orlando Magic fan, yeah, maybe you're not going to the playoffs this year, but at least you're not getting bounced in the first round. At least you're going to be worse this year, getting a higher pick on top of the Bulls pick. And then you can see what you have on your team and where you can take that going forward. Maybe if they can show these guys up, maybe they can also flip them again for maybe some an all-star, like a lot of teams did at this deadline. It's always depending on whether you're buyers or sellers, and I think they navigated it better than anybody. There you go. That's Spencer Ostrowski. Follow him on Twitter at Spencer the Wiz. Spence, let's talk about a team I've always kind of been high on and I think has so much talent, and I just can't figure out why they can't get over the hump. And a little bit of a surprising move, the Portland Trailblazers acquired Norman Powell, and they trade Gary Trent Jr. and another piece 
Spence, talk about this trade, what exactly the details of the trade were, and if it benefits each team, the Raptors and Trailblazers. Uh, this one's a little head-scratching to me, and not for Portland. I think at that line. So Norman Powell goes to Portland for Gary Trent Jr. and Rodney Hood. Uh, Rodney Hood's not even playing this season, basically. I think he's playing less than 15 minutes a game. So on face value, it's the two players swap for each other. Gary Trent's obviously 22 years old. Norman Powell's 27. And if you also look stat-wise, Norman Powell only looks like he's five points better per game than Gary Trent. And Norman Powell was starting. The reality of the situation is not a single player on Portland roster right now has ever been to the finals, not lost even. They've never been there. And we know Norman Powell was a huge part about of the way they won a championship. Now, if Kawhi wasn't there, Norman Powell wouldn't have led them. But, you know, the Trailblazers already have their established guys at the top, Damian Lillard and CJ McCollum. But every year they fall short because they lack something. They lack that knowledge of how to make it to the next level. And I think Norman does that very well. He's not an expiring deal. He'll be there through next year. So if he really does continue to play well, they may like him long-term. He'll provide some excellent scoring for them off the bench, or I guess maybe they start him at the three. I doubt they do that. But again, I think the leadership is the most important part. And Toronto, who came on this season heavy as the, oh, we are still want to be competitive. We still think we can be competitive in the East and maybe go to the finals. They've given up on that idea now. They're not going to make the playoffs. Uh, but even more surprising, honestly, is that Kyle Lowry wasn't dealt. He's a re- he is a free agent this summer, and I guess they just couldn't get something done. I don't even know why you wouldn't accept anything, because now you're A, not going to make the playoffs, and B, not going to be moving on from them. Gary Trent is good. I mean, he also played some very good minutes last year in the playoffs. Very good from downtown. He's always been very consistent from there. That's why one of the Memphis Grits did take a few years ago, but they ended up not doing that. Uh, but you know, he'll sit next to Van Fleet or whoever they decide to roll with. I think they're going to be uh, having a major uh, overhaul this season. I think Pascal Siakam will probably be gone. And they feel like Fred Van Fleet is the guy that they want to build around and maybe push a finals roster with him. Uh, That's yet to be determined. I don't think he's ever had over 20 points per game this season. Uh, A little bit of a not the trade that I was expecting to see, and I really don't know why Toronto made it at the end of the day, being that I think Norman Powell could have been in peace for them for a long time, but maybe they completely blow it up and they go full young this offseason. Yes, Spence, you talked about it briefly, maybe a little bit of a head-scratcher in, in the part that the Raptors didn't deal Kyle Lowry. His name was certainly around a lot of trade circles here coming to the trade deadline. Uh, he doesn't expect to be back with Toronto next year, so why not – make the move here and get something for Kyle Lowry, Spence? It's a great question. I don't They were talking to the 76ers, the Lakers, I think the Clippers and uh, Miami. All those guys have talent. One of the hookups I think was Miami didn't want to send Tyler Hero, which is understandable. The Lakers didn't want to send Horton Tucker, which I'm not sure about that either. But what I hear from what Rose was reporting in Shams is that None of all the teams are monitoring whether or not he'd be interested in signing a deal in the offseason and whether or not he would be a one year rental. I didn't think that would ever be a part of the equation going into it because these teams are making finals pushes, anyways. So, what's it to you if it doesn't work out and he doesn't sign with you long term as long as he wins you a championship this year? Uh, but you know, we're in a salary cap situation that is very tight. So, if he wants a certain number and he only wants to play for you at that number, then I guess I can understand it. 
he would have been man if he went to the Clippers I would have had them as finals favorites I actually made a bet for the Clippers to make the finals because I thought that's where he would end up going they actually ended up dealing Lou Williams for Rayshon Rondo and like two second round picks the Clippers just they have no idea what they're doing they don't know how to run a franchise you have one of the biggest off seasons in NBA history probably the biggest one outside of Brooklyn this year because uh, they've probably outdone them now uh, and then you just follow it up by I don't know, losing your best bench score and giving a guy who is averaging about 3.5 points a game and three assists. He was good for the Lakers last year in the playoffs, I'll give you that, but I can't imagine this will be worth it for them. I think what the Clippers were trying to do is get a guy with championship experience to be a leader, but I've never seen Rajon Rondo be that kind of guy. Certainly not close to the amount that Kyle Lowry is, someone who has been with Toronto his entire career, who has been a consistent leader for them forever and even through all the years where they weren't winning the finals he played as hard as he possibly could so when they did have a championship roster he was the last piece he really pushed them over the edge to make sure they got it done and now he's just going to sit there doing basically nothing I know he loves the city of Toronto and he said he didn't even want to be traded he just missed trade talks even though we all knew it was going to happen so maybe he just literally will stay in Toronto sign another contract with them because he loves the city that much Spence, you mentioned the Clippers trade Lou Williams to Atlanta for Rajon Rondo. A lot of people I was listening to, I was listening to the uh, trade deadline recap show on NBA TV, Sirius XM, I believe 86. A lot of people like this deal, Spence. And to me, it's kind of a head scratcher. Lou Williams, we know he can score in bunches. Uh, Maybe they don't need that and they need kind of a veteran leadership and a point guard in Rajon Rondo. Uh, Spence, to me, I, I'm kind of thinking in my head, we, we heard about from Doc Rivers some of the grumblings about the new guys, Paul George and Kawhi last year, a little bit of chemistry issues with some of the older guys, Montrez Harrell. Lou Williams may be one of those guys. I think Lou Williams may be one of those guys that it didn't fit with the new guys, and that's partially why he's now no longer a Clipper. Uh, and re- will Rajon Rondo be that leader that they need? I don't know that it really moves the needle. I still think the Clippers have a really good shot to go to the Western Conference Finals. I just don't know that Rajon Rondo does a whole lot to move the needle unless he shows up and plays as good as he did for the Lakers in the playoffs last year in the bubble. Uh, yeah, and I just – I don't know. They're, they're asking too much of him because even during those Celtics years where he did win the finals, their leader was Kevin Garnett. Paul Pierce, I don't think either, but – Ray Allen and Kevin Garnett were really the guys who held that team together. Rondo is a great system player. Well, he won't go outside of what you ask him to do. He's not going to cause any troubles in the locker room. He just plays, keeps his head down and plays hard. What the Clippers need is somebody to rally around. Kawhi Leonard has been criticized his entire career for that. And Paul George is a celebrity. He doesn't care about leading teams. He just kind of cares about his own self. Uh, Not to say that he's a horrible person or anything. That's just his personality. And that's, that's what happened in Indiana. That's what happened in OKC. That's just the kind of player he is. And I don't think that's going to change anytime soon. I, it, it, to me, I mean, Lou Williams is getting older. He's ha- having, he's being less productive, but that also comes from the fact that they have so much talent on their roster. He's just physically taking less shots. He'll actually go to Atlanta. His former team played back with them, I think in 2012, 2013, like at the start of his career, when he actually started to become one of the best players off the bench in the league. I think this was like a second or third season uh, at the time in 2013 where he's averaging over 15 points a game. I I don't know. I don't think that they're going to get what they want out of Rondo, assuming he plays as well as he did last season. Spence, let's talk about another team that really made a splash here at the trade deadline, the Denver Nuggets. 
Spence, talk about some of their moves and, and where do you think this is positioned them, if at all, in the Western Conference after being very active at the trade deadline? Yeah, so the first kind of smaller one, I suppose, is JaVale McGee, who used to play for the Denver Nuggets, who I think was traded in that Carmelo Anthony deal all those years ago. Uh, they needed a rim protector, so they got that. They do get Aaron Gordon, like I had mentioned a little bit earlier, but I think the real issue here is that they should have just re-signed Jeremy Grant this offseason, but the price they pay for it is Gary Harris, like one of their starting guards, uh, RJ Hampton, who is their rookie, and a first-round pick when the reality they could have kind of solved all of their issues off of that alone. And I don't think the asking price was too much, especially the way that he's been playing and that's on them for not recognizing his development throughout the off season. Uh, But you know, Aaron Gordon is still like not a bad basketball player. I don't think he's averaged less than 14 points throughout his entire career outside of maybe his rookie year. Uh, He, he can provide, you know, guarding at the three position, the four position, he'll play the four, but he'll be rotated all around. He'll help them in their defensive identity. JaVale McGee as well. is still a decent rim protector. He can get the easy alley-oops and all that good stuff. And it's kind of been stepping out from the outside of the range. I'm not sure uh, Malone will let him have that kind of Liberty like he did for the Cleveland Cavaliers. I like it though. I mean, they did beat the Clippers last year. They still are dominant down low. Um, we all know that Jokic is probably the front runner to win MVP at this point, simply because he's been the healthiest amongst all candidates. Although, uh, just quickly, I would say James Harden would probably be a great place to put your money right now. Having some agree. of the crazies, <laughs> just to throw that out there. But I, I like the Nuggets, and I think uh, this was a deal that they had to make. They didn't have a choice. If they're that desperate, you got to make a move like this, and they did it. Spence, let's talk about a team that made a move uh, that made lots of moves into cementing themselves as the worst team in basketball. The Houston Rockets have absolutely unloaded almost everything except John Wall. Spence, talk about what the Rockets have done, what they've acquired, and now kind of putting themselves in the conversation as the worst team in NBA history. Yeah, this season, I mean, they just are coming off of a 20-game losing streak. So basically in this deal where they could have had Jared Allen and uh, Karis LeVert, they elect to not do either of those things. They send them to Cleveland and uh, to Indiana. So they have Victor Oladipo, who I think they tried to sign an extension, but Victor Oladipo, who anybody with more than uh, two brain cells would never sign an extension with the Houston Rockets right now. They elect to flip him. You're talking with Miami, okay, which is fantastic. They have so many young assets. You're also giving them a shooting guard where they're like have a ton of players at that position. And what do you get back? Kelly Olynyk and Avery Bradley. Hello. How is Duncan Robinson or Tyler Hero not involved in this deal? Victor Oladipo is averaging like 20 points per game, six assists and four rebounds. He's a significant role player for many teams. He has had health issues, but good Lord. At least get Duncan Robinson, a three-point shooter who you know can be on your team for a long time. Very much like a Mike Miller role, if you want to go back kind of historically in what he plays. One of the best three-point shooters in the league. Now, what do they have? John Wall, who I think has three years left on his deal, and he's going to be making like 40 million dollars in each of those. And Christian Wood, who I predict will be demanding a trade request as soon as the season's over. Man, I, I just don't think it get, can get any worse when you make trades and deals where you don't get anything back. We have it has been seen, especially with like OKC, that having that many picks in the next few years isn't all that valuable. At some point, you have to balance it out with actually acquiring talent because the NBA lottery is a crapshoot. You can do all the scouting you want in the world and think you have the best 
guy, but when you draft him, you just plus you don't want to build your team around too many young players because then they don't have anyone to learn from. John Wall, when he got to the team, was very much dedicated to helping these young guys improve. But as the situation has gotten worse, he's going to be a little bitter. And I think he's also a guy who gives up quite easily. And you're going to have an upset John Wall making $48 million a year. Christian Wood, who's your only decent player, and nothing else. I don't understand how I can get to this point. The first-year GM is uh, having a nightmare season for sure. Spence, a move I, I really like. Uh, I don't know how you feel about it, but I, I think the acquisition of J.J. Redick by the Dallas Mavericks is a really solid move. I think it adds another score and three-point shooter uh, to Porzingis and Doncic. Uh, this guy is certainly a leader in the locker room with a lot of experience, and I really think it's a solid move from Dallas. Talk about what the Mavericks did today acquiring J.J. Redick. Yeah, James Johnson uh, goes uh, in the trade, and they get J.J. Redick back. So Dallas gets another good three-point shooter. Outside of this season, J.J. Redick has not had shot less than 40% from beyond the arc since 2013, which is like almost a decade now. Uh, When the season started, I think Dallas was like the worst team in the league in three-point shooting. They let a lot of great players go who shot the three-ball for them, including Steph Curry, or uh, not Steph Curry, his brother Seth Curry who's on the 76ers. Uh, But I think JJ Redick will get probably over that 40% mark once again, playing alongside Luka Doncic. He's so bad defensively, uh, but I think they can have, they can cover him up quite a bit. He'll be playing significant minutes for them. Uh, You know, on the other end of it, I'm not really sure why they would trade James Johnson, like get James Johnson. I don't think he's a veteran who's going to make any sort of difference for them. Uh, but, you know, Dallas is like 15th in the league, 16th in the league in three-point percentage at this point. And they, they won a chance at the playoffs, right? I don't know if they're in it right now. They might be the seventh seed. They've kind of, uh, you know, gotten back into relevancy. They're still not a threat as far as I'm concerned. Porzingis stinks. And outside of that, they have no actual all-star talent. Uh, they have a lot of restructuring to do. And it's probably going to be two years before you can even take them seriously, even with a move like this, which I think is a really beneficial one to them. Spence, a couple other pieces in that deal. Ananwu, I believe, from Dallas, uh, the young guy goes to the Pelicans. And then Mele from the Pelicans goes to Dallas. Uh, Young piece for Dallas moves on from him. Uh, What are your thoughts there? Uh, I really – they don't really move the needle for me. Uh, Mele is just – they're just guys who are going to float around for a very long time, kind of like the Kyle Andersons, the middle of the pack. You don't really know about them unless you really watch basketball every day. I don't see either of those players being in either of those teams' long-term plans. It's more of a salary cap situation, in my opinion. Spence, let, let's talk about uh, – is there is there some trades yeah. that we – go ahead. So there's a couple other – there's actually a few storylines. I think those were – the ones we know over were the big NBA trades. But, of course, there's the flip side of it of the ones that didn't happen – LaMarcus Aldridge, of course, was not traded. He agreed to a buyout for $5 million today. Andre Drummond, as far as I know, hasn't had a buyout yet, but that was going to be reported. He'll be bought out in the next probably day or two, whatever that number may end up being. So where those guys end up going is kind of a big deal. LaMarcus Aldridge, when he went to San Antonio, kind of never was. I don't know why he kind of made that move in the first place. They weren't really... For a championship move, LaMarcus went from being kind of the guy for Portland, but not the number one option to just being another one of the dudes. I think he has a lot left in the tank, and 
Uh, the Celtics actually traded Daniel Tice for Mo Wagner today, uh, which I have no idea why they would ever consider doing that. I think that's a downgrade. If anything, to me, what that says is that the Celtics are either convinced they're getting LaMarcus Aldridge or Andre Drummond, or they legitimately just don't know how to play or run a team. Uh, but we all know that What's-His-Name is a pretty decent GM who loves stockpiling picks. And uh, those were kind of the bigger storylines going into it. Uh Lonzo Ball was also kind of the target for a lot of teams. I think their asking price was too much. On top of him being a restricted free agent this summer, I know the New York Knicks were tied to him probably the heaviest. And the Knicks organization said, yeah, we're not really willing to go in for that. And we'll look at him again this offseason. It's interesting, though, because you have Andre Drummond and LaMarcus, who are these very flawed big men, but obviously quite skilled. In Drummond's case, the guy averages like 15 points or 15 rebounds a game, something insane, something that... I think the Celtics should give any number to make happen because as of right now, I don't see them even getting out of the first round of the playoffs. Spence, the Chicago Bulls not only acquired Nick Vujicic, they sent Daniel Gafford and Chandler Hutchinson to the Wizards in exchange for Troy Brown Jr., Las Vegas product, played at the University of Oregon, and Mo, Mo Wagner played at the University of Michigan. Any thoughts there? Troy Brown Jr. had a pretty good preseason, scoring in double digits, looked to be a young guy on the rise. Uh, is this a good piece for the Bulls to add to their uh, hopefully ascending roster. I mean, on paper, I think he's only in his second or third year and they spent like the 15 pick in the draft on him. Mm. What that signals to me is that the kid doesn't have a very big motor and maybe it's because he didn't have a big role, but I kind of thought he was going to be in their long-term plans, but maybe he has a really bad attitude issue and they just wanted to get away from him. But you know, if he can f- play under the right coach and kind of get back on track, that could be really beneficial for him. And, uh, you know, we're all, I think we'll all be rooting for him, being that we are from Vegas. And we would love to see a little bit more representation in the NBA from guys in our hometown. Spence, you mentioned the guys getting bought out, LaMarcus Aldridge. Uh, the report is that the Heat are the front runner to add him. Uh, with the Heat, Heat losing Olenek, uh, what do you think about the Heat kind of maneuvering their roster? If they add somebody like LaMarcus Aldridge, what does that bring to that squad to go with Jimmy Butler? Duncan Robinson, Tyler Hero, and Bam Adebayo. Yeah, and Victor Oladipo as well, right? That's right. Uh, he would, yeah, he would plug in instantly and be a much bigger piece than Kelly Olenek ever was, who played decent for them, given for, I think, the past like five years or four years. like he's been there forever. Uh, it's just, you know, you're putting a lot of hope in LaMarcus being better than he has been for San Antonio since day one. Uh, you're also asking a guy who plays the power forward position that doesn't have very quick feet and can't really guard the perimeter uh, but they have, I don't know what they're going to do with their rotations. I think that's the real issue now. Duncan Robinson, Tyler Hero, Victor Oladipo, Jimmy Butler all play the same position. They're going to be playing a lot of small ball, uh, but there's something just off about the team, I think, in general this season. I'm not sure what that is. It's. I think, I think real, the reality is it's just hard to recover from a finals loss. You play all those extra games, and then you put all your heart into it. It's so disappointing, and I think it's in the back of their minds. Uh, They still play extremely inconsistent, and they have a lot of work to do to actually just hit a playoff spot. Uh, But with these moves, I think they could add a little bit of a spark. Some fresh guys who did not lose in that finals can kind of get excited about the talent around them, and maybe they'll rally behind that. But LaMarcus Aldridge has already said that. I don't really know why it's reported that the front runner is Miami. I think that's just a guess because he's already said he's interested in talking to several teams, and I think he will over the next few days. Spent some teams that weren't really that active. Uh, the Phoenix Suns didn't make any big splashes. And another name that was kind of rumored to be moving on that they didn't move on from, Buddy Heald for the Sacramento Kings stays put. 
Uh, the Kings are just a poverty franchise. They have no idea what they're doing. Uh, tonight, my favorite rookie, of course, Tyrese Allenburton, had a very big game, as you were telling me before. Why not play him at the two guard and get a lot of value at a buddy healed? You're paying him a lot of money to what be the worst defense in NBA history. They have the worst defensive rating since two years ago, the Cleveland Cavaliers ever. There's never been a worse team on paper defensively than the Sacramento Kings. Although the Wizards are desperately trying to take that spot from them. They're also, the Wizards are giving up 120 points per game. And I think Sacramento is giving up like 119.8. So they're really chasing each other for that. You can't expect anything out of the Sacramento Kings. This is a team that in the top four picks, they have essentially four all-stars and, uh, it was like Jaron Jackson, Luka Doncic, Trey Young, and they picked the guy who who will never get close in that category. I wanted Buddy Heald like so bad, and I think a lot of teams did too. I don't really know what they're – if you get like two first-round picks for them, why wouldn't you move on? I can't imagine there weren't – there wasn't at least one team willing to do that. Being that Vucevic was traded for two first and a young prospect, you can probably just get him for two. I don't know. Spence, is there anything else uh, impactful? The Lakers, they don't do much. Hopefully, they're hoping to get healthy. Um, I, I mean, it, it wasn't necessarily any huge, huge splashes. There was a lot of activity. Uh, but anything else that sticks out to you? Yeah, I mean, what are you going to do if you're the Lakers? It's not like the reason they're losing games right now is because like they're missing something. They would have loved to have Kyle Lowry. I think that would have probably pushed them over the top to make the finals again. I don't know if they would have won it. Uh, but it didn't, you know, they felt like <laughs> Horton Tucker was just something that they couldn't move on from. And if that's how they feel, they went, they did win the finals last year. So I'm not here to argue that sentiment at all. Uh, and yeah, I mean, I'm trying to look down. I think the Utah Jazz were set in their ways like very early on in the season. They're clearly been quite successful. The 76ers are, again, another team that kind of made all of their moves early. I think a lot of these teams position themselves in the offseason, like, championship contenders because they felt like the salary cap situation was a little too tight and they didn't want to they want to wait until this offseason Brooklyn Nets obviously went all out and kind of made their moves they kind of look like the heroes but everyone else I think is going to stay put until they figure out what the money situation is going to be moving forward that's Spencer Ostrowski follow him on Twitter at Spencer the Wiz if you miss any part of the rest stop live here on twitch.tv or Twitter at Brad the Believer make sure you check out the podcast version of the podcast on any of the podcasting platforms search landry football conference call and the rest stop will be underneath there and also give a like and subscribe to the youtube channel search brad the believer and you'll see all of the podcast audio and visual on the podcast page spence let's go into the sweet 16 march badness 2021 is upon us and we're down to 16 teams four of those 16 teams are double digit seeds it's been quite the upset laden tournament so far at this point and let's start with Saturday's games. Oregon State, 19 and 12 on the season. They play Loyola of Chicago, who is 26 and 4, a 12 versus an 8 seed. Cameron Crutwig, the center, 6'9 center, 255 pounds for Loyola Chicago, has been the story for the Ramblers in this tournament. They're a seven point favorite in this matchup, Spence. Uh, Oregon State who was, fin- I believe, predicted to finish last in the Pac-12 Conference, has made quite the run here. Uh, will their run come to an end? Will Sister Jean and Loyola Chicago, who had a 26-4 and record on the season, move to the lead eight? Vegas says yes. Uh, Wayne Tinkle, the head coach of Oregon State, has them playing their best ball at this point in the season. Spence, have you followed much of the tournament? 
And do you have any thoughts on this matchup, Oregon State, Loyola, Chicago? Yeah, I do a lot of my uh, scouting like kind of after the season, but I'm trying my best to get into it. Uh, there's a few teams that I'm like really following closely, which is Houston. I actually am following kind of the Michigan matchup, Alabama and stuff like that. Uh, but I do love this kid, uh, this center for Loyola, because I am you know, starting that scouting process. And I think he will actually find himself on a team. He's kind of a Kroger brand version of Nikola Jokic, although Jokic himself was actually super overweight when he started his career, as we all know. Uh, he doesn't, you know, he's very slow, but he doesn't get enough credit for his kind of vision. I think he makes some very tough passes that you would expect only guards to be able to make. He's a little bit of old school. You know, as his time passes, he will extend his range outward. And I think he might actually be a little too much for them. I'm not betting this game, but if I did, I would take Loyola. Spence, well, let's talk about a team that you're following. They're 26-3 and on the season. They're a two-seed. That's the University of Houston. They're taking on a Syracuse Orange team, 11th seeded, but they're playing very good basketball right now as they took care of West Virginia and their round of 32 game. Houston sits as a six-and-a-half-point favorite in this one. Uh, the, the name recognition in this matchup, I would think Buddy Beheim, son of head coach Jim Beheim, number 35 for the Orange, has played lights out, can shoot the ball with the best of them, and that – Zone defense at Bayheim runs and the length on the Syracuse defense has breeded success for them thus far in the tournament as they're playing for a berth in the Elite Eight. Spence, tell me what you know about this Houston team and how they may match up against Syracuse. Yeah, I think the ACC is it's time to come to an end for their tournament. I, I think Houston is just so locked in defensively. That game they had against Rutgers was one of the most entertaining basketball games that I've seen in a really long time. They just have they leave no space. They're a little limited on the scoring end, so I think that they don't really have a guy that they can go to all the time. They're more of a defensively get out on the run. They do go through some scoring. I do like Syracuse, uh, you know, on the defensive front. I do love their zone as well. But I think that, uh, you know, Houston's going to be able to lock them down enough to just kind of squeeze it out. I, I'm not in, I don't know if I take the six and a half point spread that I'm looking at here on this bracket, but if you want to take a money line, I do love Houston. I don't think there's going to be an upset there just quite yet. Spence, I'm reading a tweet from Fox College Hoops. Head coach Jim Beheim becomes the first men's coach to win an NCAA tournament game in six different decades. Spans back to the 1970s and now into the 2020s. Incredible feat by Hall of Fame coach Jim Beheim, And now being able to see his son star in the NCAA tournament for his alma mater and for his team, the Syracuse Orange. It's going to be a great matchup on Saturday, Spence. That's one of the games I'm very excited to watch. I may sprinkle a little money on Syracuse on the money line just for the Buddy Bayham story, and he's playing such good basketball. But you mentioned this Houston squad. Only three losses on the season locked in the locked in defensively should bode for a really good matchup in the late game on Saturday. It will tip off at 655 Pacific time from Hinkle Fieldhouse in Indianapolis, Indiana. Spence, uh, the third-ranked Arkansas Razorbacks, led by head coach Eric Musselman, who was formerly the head coach at the University of Nevada, will take on the 15-seeded Oral Roberts, the Golden Eagles of Oral Roberts. They were fourth in the Summit Conference. They have made it all the way to the Sweet 16. Kind of a big spread here, Arkansas is an 11-point favorite. They met in the regular season where Oral Roberts had a double-digit lead, but Arkansas ended up winning by 10 points. Um, this is a repeat matchup. Spence, do you have any thoughts on this matchup? Great story. Only the second 15th seed ever to reach the Sweet 16, the Oral Roberts Golden Eagles. Yeah, I'm not going to sit here and lie and say that I've been watching Arkansas and Oral Roberts basketball all season, but clearly 
I don't know. 11 and a half seems a little extreme for a team that can score, uh, you know, on all cylinders. The over-under in this game looks to be around 159. Uh, I tend to go for the over here. I know there was that story of how many shots they were, their coach made them make in the preseason, which was like a ridiculous number. Uh, I, I don't feel too strong in one way or another, but I'd be rooting for Oral Roberts just like everybody does every year for the underdogs to kind of keep moving forward. And it's an impressive run they're making. And I don't know if they're getting enough respect in this line. Spence, the only other game on the slate for Saturday, Sweet 16, the number one seeded Baylor Bears, they will take on the Villanova Wildcats ranked fifth. Uh, the Bears have only got two losses on the season, and they are seven-and-a-half-point favorites. A lot of people like Baylor in this matchup, Spence. I don't know a whole bunch about these two teams. I know Baylor has been uh, one of the teams talked about in the top three for most of the season. Uh, they've got a transfer from UNLV, Chamba Chachua. They've got a few other players uh, that are really solid basketball players in the Baylor Bears. I expect to win this game. Will they cover? I'm not so sure, but I think Baylor moves on to the Elite Eight, Spence. Yeah, really the only thing about this game that's worth noting, well, for me, outside of a ton of other storylines, I'm sure if you keep up with it, is that this could be one of the best matchups in a very long time in March Madness. But unfortunately, Villanova is dealing with so many injuries that I just don't think they'll be able to keep up. A fully healthy Villanova squad versus Baylor would be, man, everybody would have that circled on their calendar, whether or not even keeping up with college basketball all year or not. Spence, let's move to Sunday's Sweet 16 matchups. Uh, one of the marquee matchups we'll see the first-seeded Michigan Wolverines against the Florida State Seminoles, who are ranked fourth. Michigan currently sitting at a two-and-a-half-point favorite. Juwan Howard, Coach of the Year candidate for the University of Michigan, taking on Florida State and Leonard Hamilton. Should be a really great matchup, and it'd be quite the accomplishment for first-year head coach Juwan Howard to take his alma mater to an Elite Eight. Yeah, Michigan lost, I think, their best player or second best player, but they figured out how to live without him. And I think it's also worth mentioning that Florida State just isn't playing consistently enough, I, th I think, to take out a well-oiled machine like Michigan here. Uh, this line is really short, and I, I'm going to be putting some money on Michigan in this game. I, I like them a lot. I think they could win by quite a bit here. Spence, uh, the second-ranked or second-seeded Alabama Crimson Tide head coach Nate Oates uh, leading the charge for Alabama, taking on the 11th seed UCLA Bruins. Uh, Alabama sits as a six-and-a-half-point favorite. Spence, I haven't watched these two two teams the entire year. I saw UCLA in the round of 32 matchup played very well. They got the win. Alabama has been pretty solid all year. Uh, if I'm just going on my limited knowledge and seeing kind of the road that's got Alabama here, I would probably lean towards them minus six and a half. Yeah, I do as well. And they're being led by a kid who won defensive player of the year and player of the year in the SEC. Uh, so I, I think they're going to be a little bit too uh, aggressive defensively. And also just they're an offensive powerhouse this entire season. Uh, they would have to really depend on UCLA. UCLA hitting just a whole nother level. They've been scoring great offensively, but I don't think it's going to be enough either. Spence, the final game on the slate, I believe, um, on Sunday's matchup, pits two of the four remaining Pac-12 teams against each other, the Oregon Ducks against the USC Trojans. USC led by potential lottery pick Evan Mobley. They're a two-point favorite against Oregon. Should be a really good Pac-12 matchup to see who goes to the Elite Eight between these two Pac-12 teams, Spence. Yeah, no true opinion on who's going to win this game, but this is obviously the best matchup of the tournament. This is what everyone's going to be uh, tuning into. A very close matchup, and I have no idea who's going to win. I'm not going to bet it, but I'm going to enjoy watching it. 
And the final game on Sunday, or not the final game we haven't covered, will be the first game tipping off from Hinkle Fieldhouse on Sunday at 11.10 Pacific time. The fifth-seeded Creighton Blue Jays will take on the number one overall seed in the tournament, the undefeated Gonzaga Bulldogs. Gonzaga, big favorite right now. This line could continue to move up. Gonzaga is the 13-point favorite in this matchup, Spence. Any thoughts? Yeah, Creighton likes to play fast and move up and down, but anybody who's done that to Gonzaga this season has been absolutely demolished. You can't keep up with them that way, and I don't think Creighton knows how to play basketball other than that style. Uh, I do also agree with you. I think this line's going to grow. I'm, I'm taking Gonzaga for sure. Spence, if we could finish up five games on the NBA slate tonight, uh, we can preview those if you've got the clips ready and talk about some of the action tonight and the NBA trade deadline. Yeah, absolutely. So we can start with the Clippers, who played a close game through two quarters but pulled away. Uh, the Clippers got it started with Terrence Mann here uh, cleaning up the glass. Show it twice. Time now for the Carl's Cam replay. Long arm up there. The timing perfect as Zoo's ball rolled off the front of the rim. There's Terrence Mann with that right hand. Zoo working against Johnson. Spins to the rim. Tough shot. Great finish by Mann. And the Clippers out in front 15 to nine. Yeah, so they got off to a quick start there. Zubac actually was kind of a big star in, the, in today's game. He had a really nice move here. Take a look in the post. Well, the big man, Zub, coming up with the ball, putting it down on the floor. And watch. Whoop, whoop. And back again, I believe, he referred to Mr. Barishnikov because of his footwork. Say you, say me. I did. I'm guessing you didn't see that, that motion picture. Yeah, yeah. That, was a great, that was a great move, Spence, by Zubots in the post. If, if you're just checking out the audio version of this podcast, make sure you go to the YouTube channel, Brad the Believer. Check out uh, the audio and visual version. As Spence had a great highlight there of Zubots scoring down in the post with great footwork for the Clippers. Spence, what else you got? Yeah, nothing really else to talk about in this game. I think uh, the, their team that they were playing only scored 12 points. The, the Spurs only scored like 12, 13 points in the third quarter, and that was the end of it. And here's uh, Reggie Jackson kind of finishing things off. Paul George, knowing that Reggie's there to his left, Reggie never hesitates. Yeah, that game uh, ended up finishing 98-85 in favor of the Clippers, who are riding a five-game winning streak at the moment. Uh, the only, yeah, Paul George finished with 24 points, 13 rebounds, and four assists. Uh, we can uh, transition. Yeah, Spence, the, the Knicks had a nice win, 106-102 in comeback fashion. Do you want to hit anything from that one? Yeah, just a couple of highlights, actually. I'll, I'll, I'll skip a couple of them. But Kevin Knox and Obi Toppin, who, you know, haven't been getting minutes this entire season, really buying into this culture and just sticking with it. Take a look at Kevin Knox here. Hachimura struggles, lost it. Kevin Knox dives on it. He lost it, but then finds it again and gets it quickly. Quickly off the bounce, drives, layup, count it, and one. Drew the foul. Abdiya picks up his third already and a chance. Yeah, so uh, the Knicks were down 15 at halftime. And this big defensive play by Obi Toppin, who only gets like 10 minutes here, uh, you know, kind of made things happen and completed the comeback for him. Double team. Cross court, stolen by Obi Toppin. Toppin brings it into the front court and hands it off to Barrett. Barrett previously coughed it up along the baseline. Feet inside, and Gibson throws it down. It's a seven-point game. Timeout, Wizards. It's just funny that Obi Toppin has no idea how to play basketball. He was declared the most NBA-ready prospect in the league, but he couldn't dribble. He didn't know what he was doing on that pick and roll. He's got a long way to go, and he's 24 years old. Not a great pick for the Knicks. I'll, I'll say that for a long time now. 
Spence, Spence, the Portland Trailblazers are now 26 and 18 on the season. Uh, they get a nice win without scoring the Heat in the fourth quarter, 34 31. They win by three. We got any highlights from that matchup? Yeah, this is the best matchup of the night. It ended up being two uh, two point game here. Sage McCollum's back from injury for a very long time, and they needed him desperately. Miami. Vincent blocked by Jones Jr. Nice stop by the Blazers. EJ jumped him from the back, and it was good defense in the front. McCollum shaking and baking. Already he's looking like the pre-injury CJ. Yeah, and uh, Carmelo Anthony also added four threes, and this was one of them here in the first half. Lillard drawing two defenders. Mello wide open, three to the dome. That's good offense. Always got to appreciate the three to the dome. Uh, and this actually was kind of the ending highlight of the game. It was Derek Jones Jr. from UNLV, the former dunk champion. Uh, the game ended, I think, on free throws from Damian, but this is kind of the one that got them over the top. 10 to shoot for Portland. McCollum against Robinson. McCollum finds Jones Jr. Jones Jr. with the slam in the face of Robinson. Get some. He, that enabled the drive. Now the help comes in airplane mode, taking off, off the vert. A beautiful highlight there. And, uh, yeah, I think there were only two other games. We don't have to show the highlights from them. But uh, I'll go ahead and just Golden State 119, Sacramento 141. De'Aaron Fox, what I believe would be a career high, 44 points, seven assists, yeah. three steals. And uh, the 76ers edged the L.A. Lakers for the other TV game of the night. 76ers 109, Lakers 101. Yeah, you talk about the Sacramento Kings, Spence. De'Aaron Fox is the guy you want to build that team around. Fantastic player, future all-star in my opinion. Uh, so that's going to do it for tonight's show. I want to thank Spencer Ostrowski. Follow him on Twitter, at SpencerTheWiz. Also be sure to check out his YouTube channel, Blue Milk Boys Gaming. He added a new video today talking about his ventures in the tattoo world. We'll talk more about that on the rest stop in coming weeks, but uh, make sure to check out like and subscribe Spencer's YouTube channel. Also check out uh, the Rest Stops YouTube channel. Brad the Believer is where you can find it. We post all the past episodes on there. So I hope everybody has a great weekend, enjoys the Sweet 16 tournament and all their sporting actions, and have a great weekend. And until next Tuesday, good night from the Rest Stop.